It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Trayvon's parents, Tracy Martin and Sabrina Fulton. 
and basically he said that Sabrina says she cried, she prayed, she cried some more, and then she got up and went to church that morning, and when she came home from church, she called him up and said, Attorney Crump, I will not let this verdict define Trayvon. Our community will define Trayvon Martin's legacy. We have now got to roll up our sleeves. Even though we've come a long way, we've got a long way to go to make sure this won't happen to anyone else's child, especially in light of this verdict. End quote. And what I find interesting about that is, you know, you have people out here, and they make statements such as they don't understand why people of color are so tied to religion and tied to church. Look at what just happened. This causes us to run back to to the church. It causes us to, you know, seek comfort, seek solace, seek some type of tranquility. And that's where we find it in most cases. Because that sense of community, that sense of solidarity, that sense of support, and we don't find very much of that on this side of the equation. Yeah, I'm getting ready to point the finger at, you know, the secular community for a minute. You know, and the only reason why I'm going to bring this up is because it it disturbed me. Um, They're a prominent white atheist vlogger, if you will, put out a video in regards to this particular verdict. And he emphasized that, you know, basically George Zimmerman was in the wrong and he should not have pursued Trayvon. But in the same breath, he called those of us who disagree with the verdict whiners. Now, I'm not sure about you, but the majority of the people that I see disagreeing with this verdict kind of looks like me and my colleagues. But we're whiners because we disagree and we want to go out here and protest. I went to a protest this afternoon and was out there for about an hour and a half, two hours, talking to people. People were crying. People were upset. You know, some didn't know what to say. I was looking at some of the babies out there. And, you know, how how do we explain this to our children? I mean, I can barely grasp what happened. But how do you explain this to your children? Do you allow them to live in fear? Do we live in fear? Because this is not only happening to children. It's happening to adults. It's not only happening to males. This is happening to females. The statistics support what I'm saying. And what I found interesting and what I found, you know, condescending and downright offensive is across the country they were holding these meetings with religious leaders and other community organizers telling them to basically tell us to stand down and not to riot and not to overreact. And what I find interesting, um, many of these peaceful protests are being categorized and labeled as riots. Walking down a street holding a sign 
and being vocal? When did that be, you know, how is that synonymous with the riot? But anyway, you know, they're telling us to, you know, stand down. But who's telling these vigilantes to stand down? Because, you know, I posted an article, and in this article it was talking about the disturbing rise and justified killings of blacks in the United States. Who's telling the vigilantes to stand down? Um, PBS Frontline had a Stand Your Ground law piece, and I posted that a while ago, and I'll post it again later on today. And it's showing, you know, about self-defense and these types of laws and how some people are using it for the wrong reasons, if you will, and gave you, you know, a variety of different statistics. And I believe it would be to your advantage to watch that PBS piece again. I'll post it later. However, you know, these laws only work for some people. It doesn't work for everyone. Marissa Alexander, um, a woman in Florida, same state as George Zimmerman, she fired shot in the air, a warning shot. She received 20 years. And it was her ex-husband who was harassing her. You know, it's, it's, it's unreal. Um, there was an incident in Florida. And, I mean, I can give you many different incidents that we've read about, but I'm only going to give you a few. There was a, a gentleman by the name of John H. White, and he was found guilty of second-degree manslaughter because um, a group of white teenagers came to his house to confront his teenage son. And he shot one of the young men, who was 17, point blank in the face. And he was convicted. And he said it was reminiscent of a lynch mob. But yet he was found guilty. And this was a black man who shot a young white teen. And so, again, you know, the laws are in many cases, arbitrary in nature and subjectively apply. And we have to take that into consideration. And that's why, you know, one of the questions I pose is where do we go from here? What are some solutions? And unfortunately, I have not seen any real responses from the secular community, if you will. Individuals, yes. But, again, I'm looking at some of these organizations, and I've pretty much I've seen nothing. So I'm going to advise those of you who want to protest and peacefully and call your NAACP, call your Urban League. Um, and I don't, I don't think I would ever have to say this. Um, you know, it's amazing to me, but National Action Network, which is, Al Sharpton's outfit. I didn't think I would ever be promoting them, but you can call them up. They will be protesting in front of federal court buildings in regards to the stand your ground laws and other uh, public policies that we need to rail against. Uh, call your local churches and organizations. I didn't believe that I would ever have to say this type of stuff, you know, because while I disagree with them on ideology, um, look, the civil rights movement, you know, it was rooted in the church, but it was not rooted in religion, if you will. 
And just because if you all decide to call these people and to go out to protest these types of atrocities with them, that doesn't mean you have to pray with them. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with their ideology. You know, this is about social justice. This is about, you know, putting our concerns on the forefront. And, you know, again, that young man is dead, and there's nothing we can do to change that. We can't bring him back. But, you know, the whole thing is is just absolutely amazing. And George Zimmerman had the nerve to say that he feels as though blacks should, or African Americans, should apologize to him. I think actually that was something he said about a year ago. But, I mean, still, it's a plot. Yeah. Right. Still, still, uh, it'll be a cold day in hell (laughs) before that'll happen. So. Exactly. No, right now he's in hiding. He hasn't said anything. And, you know, I just feel like I'm tilting at windmills regarding some of these issues here. And unfortunately, you know, with this particular trial, the prosecutors dropped the ball, you know, on a lot of different things as well as the police department. But, you know, the biggest tragedy is they allow the defense to set the tone and the tenor of this trial. And Trayvon Martin was put on trial, as opposed to right. George Zimmerman, you will. Right. They, you right. know, they basically they defamed his character and sullied his good name, and you know, I call it malfeasance because right. the prosecutors just kind of went along with the program. So again, we should not live in fear, but we have to do something. We have to take this righteous anger, if you will. And we need to get out here and peacefully protest. We need to get out here and start voting. And when you register to vote, you're eligible to sit on a jury. Okay, you understand? So those that find, you know, uh, themselves, you know, <laughs> you know, registering to vote, you may be called to jury duty or what have you. Do your civic duty and go, because it was a study I posted an article, Raina posted it first and I reposted it, but it was an article that was talking about a study found that blacks were basically blocked from southern juries. And so we have to protest against these types of things. Go ahead, Raina. Oh no, I didn't no, I didn't have anything to say. I just I was just saying right. We have to go. Right, you know yeah, I feel like we're in Jim Crow two point oh. You know, I feel as though I'm living back in the 30s and 40s. All of the gains that were earned and fought for. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, we're worse off than before. I mean, we're hyper-segregated. We're more segregated now than we were in in the 1960s. (laughs) I mean, just for a minute. Hello? Oh, yeah, I can barely hear whoever that was. Right, right, right. Yeah. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm I live in the community that uh, Trayvon Martin is from, and uh, I don't know. For me, the verdict uh, hit closer to home uh, for me because, you know, I had an opportunity to see members of the community and members of his own family, um, you know, and and. It, 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 it's, a, it's a rough feeling, you know, 
to be told that you don't matter. Um, it's, it's a, I, I know deep down a lot of us knew or felt that the case was going to go this way. But to be, but to have somebody to tell you to your face, you know, in no uncertain terms that you can be shot and killed and all I, all the only excuse that's necessary was that person scared me. Um, it's a big deal. Um, to be told by members of law enforcement uh, that you scare us enough, even though that in the United States uh, there hasn't been a civil unrest or any kind of riot or any kind of uprising in almost almost 22 years. That was when the LA the LA riots are 22 years ago now. But to have your law enforcement come to you and say we expect you to do something, um, we expect you to act a certain way, and and we have taken steps to prevent you from doing so. Um, it, it's a heavy thing. Um, anybody with anybody with a conscience, not just black, but anybody with a conscience is, has a heavy heart. Because what are we saying? What's the precedent that that's been set? You know what I'm saying? What 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 precedent are we setting that people can get killed summary executions? It's a summary execution. That's what happened to Trayvon Martin. It was a summary execution. He judged him, and he found him. He was judged during an execution, and all that happened in that trial was there wasn't George Zimmerman's trial. They should have just called it the Trayvon Martin trial because he was on trial. There. He wasn't, you know, George Zimmerman wasn't on trial. He didn't even have to open his mouth. Trayvon Martin was on trial. And at the end of the trial, what did George Robert Zimmerman Jr. say? He said, without a hint of irony, I mean, he's got to be the most smug, arrogant uh, response to a question I've ever seen. No matter that he was trying to say it as somber as he could, but his statement was, literally, and I've never heard this before in any sort of criminal case, but he said that he played a part in his own demise. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you can say that about a person that was unarmed. He had not instigated the situation. He did not escalate the situation. He did not have a firearm. But you can say that that person played a role in the events that led to his death. That, writ large, is just telling you that you don't matter. And um, it's just yeah, I mean, to the, the One of the things I think that also bothers me about when people talk about this is, like, people say, oh, we have to respect the verdict. No, we don't. No, we don't. Why do we have to respect it? Respect it for what? You know, um... You know, the, let's let's be honest about let's be honest about this for a second. We're talking about people. We're talking about American people. American people are not the most educated people on the planet. They are not known for you know their broad thinking and you know expansive knowledge base. You know what I mean? They're not known to be extremely logical. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you put them in, in these scenarios. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that, you know, having a jury trial is, is preferable to a lot of other conditions that we could possibly have in our justice system. 
But that doesn't mean that just because you've had a jury trial that you have had justice. You know what I mean? Exactly. And this is, you know, and this and this is something I think we all have to understand. And we don't. And and again too, the law, the law itself is so. And and you know, it, it's it's our mind to 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 get on the jury. It's our mind to insult the prosecution. Yes, they could have done a better job. Definitely. Absolutely, I believe that 100%. Um, but at the end of the day, these are the laws. It's not the, it's not even the jury and it's not the prosecution. It's the laws of the land in the state of Florida. These laws are so, I, I don't even know what to say, backwards and Neanderthal. That, and mm-hmm. then they were ordered, they were ordered to, to make their decision based on the law. So it kind of, they got boxed into this. You know, they got boxed into You can't discuss race. You can't discuss gun culture. You can't discuss this, that, and the third. And it has to be done in the parameters of the law. So at the end of the day, it's the law. This is what we're going after. This is what should be going after. This is what's so important. You know, we're, right now we're trying to clear our heads. I know everybody, we're, we're in a bad place. I think Every one of us is going through a little bit of PTSD in a way or two um, regarding the verdict. But I think this is this is the enemy. This is where the fight begins. And if any action is going to be taken, we have to aim it at this law. We have to aim it at the standard ground laws and how vague they are. We have to aim it at gun laws. And then we have to start going after those things. So if anything happens, it's got to be a vote. It has to be about voting. It has to be about organizing communities towards that end. And and, and, and most importantly, putting pressure on our lo- elected officials um, in, in exactly. the most way possible. I mean, in, in, in this case, that's what needs to be done because and we, we are governors. We have to vote about who we elect to lead and run our states. So we have to get a governor because we have to vote for attorney generals. We have to vote for judges. We have to vote for, if you take an active role, if people take an active role in their politics, it can save us from another Trayvon Martin uh, case. It can. Um, I know people are jaded and cynical, and I know this case doesn't make anything easier, but we have to take an active role in our politics, or else this will just happen, and we'll just fight. Right, right. And that's what I'm saying in regards to solutions. Um, basically, you know, you know, we've been talking about this before, about people getting involved in the community, getting involved in local politics, voting, understanding the issues, getting better at understanding the issues. And for those of us who are activists, you know, whether we're community activists or in some cases, you know, Internet activists, if you will. We need to get out of here. We need to start explaining some of these issues. You know, no one can know everything. And by sharing the information that we do have, you learn things from other people, but we're sharing the information with you and with each other, and that's what we're supposed to do. Um, And, again, like I said, you know, the NAACP, Urban League, um, National Action Network, 
um, your local churches, some of the local organizations, you know, some of the smaller organizations out there. You know, you can get information from them regarding um, some of these issues. Uh, just research on the Internet. Become informed. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is a weapon. And it's important for you all to understand, you know, what's happening and what's going on around you here. And, you know, with this case, you know, like you said, um, with Trayvon, Trayvon was the one put on trial. You know, Trayvon Martin, they did everything that they possibly could do to disparage, you know, this young man who wasn't there to defend himself, who wasn't there to speak for himself. And basically, had George Zimmerman done what the dispatchers told him to do, it never would have happened. He never should have gotten out of his vehicle. And he should have stood down immediately and stopped following the young man. And they get into some type of physical altercation. But again, he was afraid. I'm talking about Trayvon Martin. You have someone following you, and all you went to do was to get something to drink and a snack, and you're walking back to your, you know, your parents' house, and you have someone following you around, and the person got out of their vehicle. What was he supposed to do? I believe he ran for a little while, and then he got tired of running and decided to defend himself. So what was he supposed to do? So, you know, for the people out there, you know, who are saying that Trayvon Roth is on himself, what was he supposed to do? Sit there and allow George Zimmerman to pepper him with questions or to, you know, assault him possibly? Or he, was whatever. To, he was supposed to submit to a, uh, the authority of a, you know, ostensibly white man and uh and a and an adult authority figure without question that's what that's what some people believe he was supposed to do hey, you no um, you know, no no, you're fine I was done you made you made you made the mention of you know you brought it up before jim crow uh, is it jim crow two point oh and and in this instance. Yes, because in, in this instance, everything Trayvon Martin did, according to his defense, which was, I guess, breathing air, having a desire to eat and drink, and to uh, live peaceably, was a violation of the law, apparent. Um, in, in the Jim Crow South back in the day, you, were, you could be a grown man. Somebody 10 years your junior comes to you and say, hey, boy, what you doing out here? What you doing out here? Someone turn their radio down. I'm sorry. I'm hearing an echo. Hearing from me? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah, um, you know, you you would hear, hear, and it doesn't matter what your age was, you'd have to answer, what are you doing here? Why are you out here this late? What are you doing? And where did you get money to buy this? And you'd have to answer. That was a Jim Crow South. That's just the way it was. And if you didn't give the right answer, well, you know, you might just wind up being strange fruit. And, and, again, and, you know, folks will keep, and you'll get these folks that, that try to loophole the discussion and try to point out the fact that 
George Zimmerman isn't actually Caucasian, he's Hispanic. And it's like, okay, I'll grant you that. But I can definitely tell you that he was hiding behind white privilege or the white privilege of his father. Definitely. And that he's been extended right. white privilege by by yes. those who have by those in um who've defended him, basically. Oh yeah. He, he, because he's they're because they're they're they the way that they've gone after Trayvon Martin and the way that they've defended George Zimmerman. Well this was his neighborhood. Well it was Trayvon's neighborhood. But you know, yeah. by extension of his father living there. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it is a lot like, you know, these of the black codes is Jim Crow. I mean, I mean, George Zimmerman, you know, did the equivalent of asking or or or, or in, um, sort of insisting that black people justify their presence the way that we had to justify our presence with papers. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, he was doing nothing wrong. There had not exactly. been a crime done at the time that Trayvon was was being stalked. There was no crime. Exactly. There was no crime that was reported that evening. The only thing that Trayvon did was was that he was black, and that he was in and he was in this neighborhood. And George Zimmerman said he claimed to know everybody in this neighborhood, and he needed he needed or wanted um, you know some kind of verification that Trayvon was supposed to be there. And he wasn't owed that. He's not owed no. that exactly. by he wasn't owed that by Trayvon and he wasn't owed that he's not owed that by anyone. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. and and you know, the whole situation with that there is the way they characterize, you know, young Mr. Martin there, they tried to categorize him as a drug addict, as a thug as, you know, violent and all of these negative stereotypes that some hold for people of color. And, you know, basically, again, the defense set the tone and the tenor of the trial by putting Trayvon on trial as opposed to George Zimmerman being on trial. But, again, you know, we need to take that example and as well as other examples, because this is not the only, um, you know, situation such as this, but we need to take that information and we need to continue to expose it. We need to continue to protest against it. And we need to put pressure on our elected officials, put pressure on them to change against some of these laws and these policies. Because, you know, protesting and complaining about it is only going to do so much. There needs to be action behind. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and you bring up a very uh, a salient point about the tenor and the tone of the trial. And again, it plays right into the idea of white privilege because, and, and definitely, George Zimmerman, um, before, during, and after the events that led to um, Sherlock Martin's death has benefited from it. I mean, only... I, I mean, it's just stereotype. It was stereotype that gave George Zimmerman his freedom. It wasn't even anything concrete that the defense had to put up to show that that there's evidence or that Trayvon Martin could have been the aggressor or anything. All they put up was the fact that his friend his friend wasn't all that bright. 
and and he wore baggy clothes. And here goes a picture with him with gold teeth. And here's one with him flipping the bird at the camera. And he might have had a gun. And he's blowing out marijuana smoke. Stereotype got George mm-hmm. Zimmerman his freedom. Whereas Tra- so Trayvon Martin, who hasn't actually hasn't has no criminal record. You know, he might be a he's a kid. He's a, he's a teenager who didn't do half the things that he did. You know, so stereotype one George Zimmerman his freedom. So a kid can just be painted as something and he can get off. Whereas George Zimmerman has actually committed criminal acts. He's assaulted a police officer before. He's assaulted he's assaulted a girlfriend before. And the person and and of course all of these things were prior bad acts that couldn't be allowed into the case and we understand that. But this is a man who assaulted a police officer, assaulted a, a, a person, a partner who he's in a relationship with, and then also, too, has been accused of molesting his own cousin for the past 10 years, for 16, yeah. 16. She's known as Witness yeah. 9, and they had to actually, they had to rule that her testimony not be part of the, the trial. Can you tell me that if the, if the tables were flipped, had George Zimmerman been the victim, and Trayvon, Trayvon Martin had been a three-time loser with the police in some way or another and had a molestation charge on him. Do you think he would have been walking out of that courtroom free man? No, and I, but, see, but see, the other thing is, is also you have to understand that if he had been a black man, more than likely he would have had a public defender, and a public no, defender yeah. would not have been yeah. able to provide the sort of defense that George Zimmerman had. In the first place, Absolutely. and, the, and, the, and we have to keep in mind that the reason that George Zimmerman was able to afford this type of defense is because he was able to raise four hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the internet, provided mostly by racists, mm-hmm. by racists who had an interest in the trial. Yeah, and exactly. And what is so? And what is so? And what is so? Interesting is they they were able to raise four hundred and fifty thousand, and so many of us, you know, we've been upset about the trial. And meanwhile, Trayvon Martin Foundation has only raised a hundred thousand dollars. So that's one place where we can start, where we, you know, where we can, you know, put our money where our mouths are, you know, yeah. contribute for you know five or ten dollars to Trayvon Martin Foundation, you know, and get the. And I'm going to post that link right now for you guys. So go ahead. Yeah, but that's that's one place where we can start, and then, um, and, and you did bring up the um, witness nine, and um, apparently, it looks like she will be bringing or her charges will be brought on her behalf. So, I hope that if her if what she says is true, that she will get some form of justice um, against George Zimmerman. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, it's just like you were saying, like with the. Um, you know, with the um, the black man who had the um, you know essentially the the mob show up at his house demanding his son, um, you know he had more reason to have a gun drawn. Those people were on his property, you know what I mean, and they were asking for his son, just like any lynch mob in the past. Um, exactly. And, and he should not have shot an unarmed teen. I'm not defending that aspect of it. But certainly you can understand why he would have felt the need to have the gun drawn. And he was and he was found guilty. And if that was and and I don't necessarily disagree with that 
with that verdict. But I just think it's important to illustrate the fact that if Zimmerman had been a black man, all of this would have been over, open and shut before we even realized it. For all of these people, including George Zimmerman's defense attorney, who somehow was trying to imply that if his client had been black, that none of this would have taken place, that somehow he would have been left alone or gotten off. You know, that somehow charges wouldn't have been filed. You know? And, and, and even though there's absolutely no, no, no evidence to support that claim in any way, but he said it. And I, I couldn't help it. I, I know about I don't know about anybody else, but I knew I knew something was wrong as soon as Don West got up and made contact. Like he's either the stupidest, he's the stupidest um uh, 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 attorney out there, or you know that you're gonna walk out of this courtroom with a um with a free client, you know. And I, I I mean that the entire flippant way they took this trial, um you know I couldn't help it. But think that this guy's going to get off some kind of weird technicality. And even though I know the jury was instructed to 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 you know render their verdict on these 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 constraints of the law, so I know they were ordered to. Um, these were six white women, or six white and one five white women and one woman of nondescript ethnic background, because they couldn't say what she was. I don't know how that, how that is, but. I'm pretty sure all they did was fill their heads with the big black bookman, um, you know, nightmare that's pretty much prevalent in in American culture. And after four weeks of that, I don't think they would walk out with any other decisions that are not guilty. You know, I, I really don't. Hmm. Right. And so, you know, just looking... And I have I hear an echo, guys. Um, basically, you know, looking at this situation here with this case again, where do we go from here? And you know, this is something. Was the verdict fair? That was one of the questions that I posed. And no, no, it, it wasn't fair. However. The prosecution did not put together a solid case. There were too many people, too many cops, too many investigators on that witness stand answering they did not. And the prosecutors did not do a good job preparing the witnesses at all. And unfortunately, there were some people that were hurt in the process because Rachel Gentile was scapegoating during the, during this trial. You know, she was one of the people, her and Trayvon, the two young, you know, African-Americans in this situation here. And, I mean, what are the implications? Does this now, you know, justify vigilante behavior? Is it open season now? I mean, you know, I, I really you know, don't know what to say. I don't know about anywhere else, but, again, I'm in the state of Florida, and I'm 
shortly after Trayvon Martin, we had Jordan Davis uh, situation where a guy, you know, Michael David Dunn, drove up and shot up a car full of kids because he didn't like their music and then made the claim that he felt threatened by them and he saw a gun. Now, granted, he's in jail and he was arrested for it and he's awaiting trial, but, um, you know, his defense is planning on using the standard ground law as, as their argument to either exonerate him or, you know, get something that lesser than a first-degree murder charge. You know, um, and given the precedent set by the George Zimmerman um, acquittal, um, it, 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 it's, it's hard to say that this is not going to happen. Um, granted, I mean, there there was no reason for Michael David Dunn to walk up and shoot Jordan Davis. First of all, he wasn't the driver. He was a passenger. Uh, he was unarmed. He didn't. He made no gestures. No witnesses. They made any gestures. To him. I walked up to them, said something, and again, it's one of those weird Jim Crow 2.0 situations where if I talk, you are not obligated to listen to me, submit to my will, or there will be consequences. So I'm pretty sure kids who have, may have had their own jobs, have their own cars, hanging out and having a good time, you come out of nowhere, Joe Schmo, Kokomo, and tell me that I got to turn my music down and me and my friends got to shut up. I'm going to tell you to leave me alone. I'm not going to say I. I'm not going to say it nicely like that, but you will be told to mind your own business. So I'm right. The, the other thing is, is like it's so it's so ridiculous because, like, um, and and I I'm pretty sure this was a either an urban or suburban area, which means that there are going to be several gas stations within mm-hmm. you know a five mile radius. So if he really felt that uncomfortable pumping at that particular gas station and didn't think that he could wait the, you know, four or five minutes it might take to actually fill up, he could have gone to any yeah. other gas station. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he, really felt, if he really felt that it was, you know, that scary to pump alongside, you know, the, the big, loud, scary black, you know, hip-hop music, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. In any other place, it would be a cut-and-dry, open-and-shut case. But, again, with the precedent that we've seen set, and, again, not just the precedent of this case because it had not happened yet, just the precedent set by George Zimmerman saying it. I felt threatened, and I stood my ground. You know, it gave him the the ammunition. I said it's unfortunate that Florida law is that way. And it's a big deal. I mean, you know, we're 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 asking, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? What do we do now? Um, I I can't speak for everywhere else. I know you guys are in other cities, but in my home state where I live, in Florida, our first priority. If anyone's listening and they're in the same state as I am, and you're living in Florida, either South Florida or the state of Florida. Your first priority is petitioning your elected leaders. Um, I know there we have. I was we were with Barbara Jordan last week. Uh, she's our local um, one of our local politicians. I mean, you have to start petitioning your politicians. These are your elected officials. You have to put pressure on them. They work for you. And in this case, in my state, we have to push to change this very this poorly defined and very vague law, either repeal it or redefine it. 
you know, you know, I would much rather see it repealed because it, 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 you're turning you're turning Florida into the Wild West. This is what this law did because it, all you have to do is feel threatened, and and in the mind of a bigot, in the mind of a bigoted person or a person who relies on prejudice, it won't take a lot to feel threatened. And then what what would make you feel threatened? Exactly. A kid driving around, a kid in a hoodie, and a kid driving around listening to rap music. That's enough to make you feel great. Well, and someone noted, someone noted on Twitter, Jay Smooth, he said, the fundamental danger of an acquittal is not more riots, it is more George Zimmerman. Absolutely. And this is, again, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Carl. And again, Michael David Dunn and Jordan Davis, that case was before... The Zimmerman Zimmerman went to trial, so this was in the this was in the midst of people figuring out what to do. This was probably within the forty four days that George Zimmerman was not in police custody. You know what I'm saying? So so that's about a month and some change. It wasn't that long after Trayvon Martin was killed that Jordan Davis was shot and killed under similar circumstances. Not exactly the same, but again, the argument was I felt threatened, so I shot him. So the precedent has already been set, and with Zimmerman walking out of the court of free man and getting the same murder weapon back, <laughs> you know, what's that saying now? So now you've got a whole bunch of, in a state where people are already out of their minds with guns, and you can get a gun as easily as you can buy toilet paper and underwear. As a matter of fact, they sell them in the same store. You know, in a state like this, you've now said that if you feel that way, do what you got to do. You know, it's the Wild West out there. It's the Wild Wild West out there. And if anything's going to change, I mean, more so than any other action that that people have to take, this has to be the one where we where where people have to speak with their vote. Um, that's where my attention has been turned um, today. I don't know about anybody else, but I went and applied to to get to become volunteer with the. The, the Urban League of Wild County so that I can be out there and uh, volunteer my time to be out there to get people motivated to go out to the poll. Again, this is important. We have to start petitioning our elected leaders. And in my state, that's what must be done. Um, well, I think this, another this thing that can be done, too, is the <laughs> suggestion that we boycott the tourism industry of states that have, you know, the stand-your-ground law on the books, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. You know, Florida gets a lot of tourist dollars because of Disney World and um, Universal Studios and all of these other, you know, uh, attractions in Florida. So, you know, it, you know, we could just decide, you know, very easily to spend our money elsewhere. There are other amusement parks. You know, there are other, you know, things to do with your kids. You know, take a trip, mm-hmm. go somewhere else. You know, there's a lot yeah. of country to see. Go outside well, the country you know, exactly. to see what people see. You know. Yeah. You oh know. yeah. But in addition, in addition to that, you know, any companies that sponsor or support George Zimmerman, I can guarantee you, I will never buy any of their products. I would basically, you know, research who, you know, all of their subsidiaries and never support anything that they, you know, have to offer because we have to send a message. And 
you know, with most people, especially um, capitalists and, you know, white supremacists and people of that nature, the only thing they understand is green. And by hitting them in the pocketbook and making them hurt financially, that's the only thing that they understand. And well, that is another form of protest as well. Go ahead. Yeah, I you know, and uh, you know, we're talking about again Florida. Uh, I would I would say this, and I don't know. I, I I would challenge folks to do this. I stopped going a while back, but if we really wanted to in, in this state to show how much we are not playing, boycott Urban Beach Weekend. That's about three hundred thousand uh, people, uh, three hundred thousand uh, tourists. Most of them young, black, um, and Latino between the ages of 18 and perhaps 30, they come here every year and they spend a couple million dollars just to walk around South Beach. If you really want to do something, you really feel that uh, I, I, I would start there. And, we, hey, you don't want to say because, first of all, we, we had situations where police involved shootings were kind of prevalent. They had a really bad one a couple of years ago. Let's not be there. That, more so than Disneyland. I know more. There are more people descending on, you know, South Beach for that, you know. Let's just not show up. Let's not spend our money there. Let's spend our money elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? Let's not give them that. Let's not. Let's talk with our money now. And this is, what has, this is what has to happen in addition to any political action. Let's start talking economically. You, you start is someone sitting in front of a fan? Hmm? Is someone sitting in front of a fan? Because I hear something like wind or a lot of air. In, or interference. I'm not sure what it is, but sorry. Um, kind of no, no fan this time. Not me. But no, go ahead, Carl. I, I I would say that um, stops. I mean, let's not be where they expect us to be anymore. Um, it's one of the other things that would be a, a, a great impact. Um, you know, they expect us to march. They expect us to protest. They want us to go to prayer vigils. They want us to do things, and we're going to, we're going to uh, and expect to placate. And they're going to do something to placate us. I say let's let's change the rules of the game a little. Let's not even be there for. Let's take them out of the equation altogether. And I think the best way to do that is start speaking economically. And as I stated before, there's a cash cow that comes here every year, and um, into my city. Let's not be here. Let's spend it elsewhere. Let's tell the promoters, hey man, let's do it in another place. Pick our own, pick another area, pick another part of town, and let's start talking with our money in another way. And I, I think that would really start to get people listening. When folks see that the money's not there anymore, they're going to want to know how they can start getting the money back. Um, and I think that's, that's another way it starts changing. There you go. And, yeah, we need to start implementing that. We need to start, again, um, you know, hitting people where it hurts in a pocketbook because that's the only thing most people will, you know, respect because they're, you know, used to hearing the rhetoric. They're used to hearing us um, speak about, you know, these issues and get outraged and maybe go out and picket a little bit, but then things go back to business as usual, and we cannot allow that to happen. Now, you know, 
we have people out here with righteous indignation now, and they're protesting. Let's use that for something positive. Let's use it for something productive. Let's use it for, you know, to move us forward. Because, again, you know, combining this verdict with, you know, um, you know, the cases that were decided by the Supreme Court, you know, again, voting rights, you know, <laughs> being suppressed in some states and, you know, just the Voting Rights Act when they struck down that entire entire section. And not just that, you know, there are many other rulings and many other public policies. And, again, we've tried to educate people on some of these things. You know, we're still being educated on some. And we share that information with you all. And it's time. It's, it's been time. But it's really time now that we take this serious, that we get out here and we start trying to affect positive change. And, again, it's like things are being rolled back. I feel as though we are in worse shape now than, you know, our parents had to live through. And this was before the civil rights, you know, back with Jim Crow, you know, the days of Reconstruction. It seems like, you know, we're you know, regressing, and we cannot allow that to happen. And that's why, you know, in this case here, you know, Trayvon, he would have graduated this year. He would have graduated from high school, and he had goals just like, you know, many, you know, these other young people out here. And interestingly enough, um, Dr. Hutchison, Sakibu Hutchison, wrote an article and basically incorporated that information about Trayvon graduating this year and, you know, the ceremony that took place this weekend in Los Angeles in which um, Black Skeptics Group, they awarded scholarships to some very well-deserving young people who were traditionally marginalized. And, you know, they were awarded scholarships and encouraged and motivated to continue on with their education. You know, who's to say what Trayvon would have achieved in his life had he been given the opportunity to live his life and to grow up and be a productive young man. And it's just, you know, it's horrible knowing that his life was taken from him. He never got a chance to really even live his life. And, you know, again, we can't let this, we just can't sit idly by and allow these things to continue to happen. There are many more stories that have not been publicized. There are many more stories out there. So while Trayvon, right now, this story is in the forefront, you know, we must be conscientious and, you know, bring to the attention other stories as well. So, you know, we just can't sit here. We can't sit here. We have to move forward. For those that are interested in calling in, the telephone is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. And you can press 1 if you want to speak with us. And, you know, I have pulled um, Alfred into the call earlier, but I think he had some issues in the background there. So, Alfred, if you're listening, you can call back in. But, again... You know, we have to be able to move on from here. But, again, it's not just, you know, pointing at young black people and telling them that they weren't wearing, quote, unquote, respectable clothing, if you will. They should be able to wear whatever without the threat of being gunned down. You know, they should be able to live their lives without being subjugated to an inferiority complex. Because, to me, you know, 
with this particular case, you know, George Zimmerman, you know, felt superior to Trayvon. And when Trayvon didn't accept, you know, his role as being an inferior, then, you know, look at what happened to him. And this kind of reminds me of, I remember my mom used to tell me stories because they're from the South. And she used to tell me stories about how when white people would be walking on the sidewalk, how they had to cast their eyes downward and get off the sidewalk and allow the white person to pass by. You know, um, it's not like that anywhere it shouldn't be. And it seems as though, again, you know, things are turning backwards. And we we can't allow this to happen. Um, some of this is predictable. It was predictable, and nothing about it is respectable at all. Nothing about this is respectable. But, again, what are we going to do? I hope that this situation here, not only with this trial and this case and what has transpired over the past few months in this country, I would hope that this would open up dialogue. And there are quite a few people, you know, if you look at these protests that were happening around the country, you know, there were a myriad of different people and different races and cultures out there. You had African Americans, you had Latinos, you had Asians, you had Caucasians. So, you know, there there are quite a few people that see the injustice in what's been happening here. So, you know, we definitely want to utilize our allies and work together, and we need to keep pushing forward, and we need to continue to move forward and not allow um, the powers that be or, you know, these white supremacists, if you will, to intimidate us. We cannot allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. So we must move on, and regardless of whatever the verdict was, the not guilty verdict that came through, we have to move on, but we also need to affect some positive change. And part of that comes with, you know, understanding the laws, understanding what has happened, you know, in the past. You know, they were comparing, you know, the murder of Trayvon Martin. They were comparing it to Emmett Till, as well as James Cheney and Willie Edwards and Michael McDonald and Michael Griffith and Yusuf Hawkins. And I posted that on my wall, and it was talking about deadly racial targeting of black men and teens as hardly ancient history. That's the name of the article. And there are many, many more examples. So, you know, we definitely do not want to marginalize or, or you know, any other people that happen to have been in these types of situations. But we want you guys to go out here and educate yourselves. It's important that you educate yourself and you understand what's happening and not forget you know, people who have died in situations such as this. Right. So, again, you know, I'm glad that the Department of Justice is um, looking into what has happened um, in this trial. And this is, you know, they've been looking into this, from what I understand, for over a year. So we'll see how that works out, you know. Because yeah, I doubt so. I doubt anything will happen with that, but um, I was reading today and I was kind of disheartened a little bit to know that um, if a civil suit is brought by the Martin family, that um, if they, if his defense, you know, is about stand your ground and the judge agrees 
um, that the suit can be dismissed and Zimmerman can then sue the Martin family, which yeah. is really um, disheartening. So um, I hope I hope that if they bring a suit, that that justice will some form of they obtain some form of justice, and that they don't allow these you know the Sandy Ground defense, you know. I I I I I feel the same way, and and sadly you know sadly the, the Zimmerman family is proving themselves to be just the type of jerks to to do something like that after knowing that, after knowing for a fact that their son killed another person. You know, um, they're not acting like a family. I mean, they made the excuse during the trial. I remember the press. It was it was just a misunderstanding. They're not acting like people who are part of a misunderstanding. If if my actions inadvertently led to the death of a person, I would not. I would I would not be acting in the way George Zimmerman and his and not just him, his brother and his father. I'm not so much about his mom because I didn't hear her speak until she took um, the stand a couple of day, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but the way his brother and his father have been talking, that smug arrogant, privileged um, um, way that they've been talking, um, I can't say that they would not try to then take vendetta on the, 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 the Martin family, my Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin. Okay, you embarrassed me. Now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do you further damage. In, in addition to what I did to your son, they just strike me like that. I, think that I, I don't think that much is going to come of it. And it brings me to a question that I wanted to present because I read the statement of President Obama uh, uh, in regards to the Martin trial. And, and I'm saying this as a person who voted, and who first campaigned, then voted twice uh, for the president. Um, it honestly came off sounding to me as generic and went out of its way, in my opinion, to not take a uh-huh. side, and it, and it was doing something that I'm really not liking, where he's doing what the defense attorney was doing in this case, where oh, it it wasn't one person, it was all of us. It was it's gun control, and it's this that, and yes, those are elements of it. But let's not lose sight of one thing. Yes, it's tragic. Yes, great. These things, other elements played a part in this. But let's not forget one thing. This man stalked and killed a kid. This wasn't a slip-up. This wasn't an oopsie-daisy, the gun went off accidentally and it accidentally killed this kid. This is a man who deliberately followed someone and with malice killed him. You know? So right. So I think I think it was the response from the president. And, and, and again, it just leads to a growing sense of disappointment as it comes to, to, to situations involving people of color, this attitude by our administration to not take a stand because he it feels like it, there's this fear that he doesn't want to be seen as black. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to be seen as black. I am black, but I don't want to be seen as black. I don't want to take up black capital B issues, you know, capital B black issues. I don't want to talk about the unemployment. I don't want to talk about the education disparity. 
I don't want to talk about the economic disparity. I don't want to talk about something that as obvious as a man well, walking because in that's how that's well, that's how the system is. Is in, in white supremacy, you know, whiteness is paramount. So if if you have anyone who's going to, you know, talk about helping those who are not white and powerful, you you that's how you're going to be you're going to be attacked. Like, oh, you're the black president. You know, what about yeah. the rest of us? You know what I mean? The rest of us yeah. meaning the people who matter more most. The the people exactly. who matter more. You know? And um yeah, and that's why he can't do it in in this system. He can't be outwardly, you know, in favor of legislation that will benefit people who are black and people who are of color. And even if he were to do it, he would be blocked. There there's a huge you know, a, a obstacle in his way, um, known as the House of Representatives, in particular. You know, yeah, because yeah. they they are hell bent on on barring anything that might um, that that a might make Obama look good, but b that would help anyone who's black or brown or poor. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right. I, 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 you know, and I, I do realize. Of course, that he does, he is constrained somehow by the politics of the situation. But I, and again, I, you know, I put it to you guys how you felt as to how you guys felt about it. Because to me, it just felt like it, it's 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 diminishing, it's diminishing Trayvon Martin. You know, the the real crime that happened here. It's just like, oh, it's just we all messed up, and like, no, we all didn't mess up. This guy shot and killed a kid. And I, I exactly. wanted to ask, you know, I, I wanted to ask how you guys felt about that response. I didn't. It didn't sit well with me. Is what I was saying. Um, it doesn't. I mean, it's in, it's inadequate, as you know, a lot of his responses where race has right. been concerned has been inadequate. Um, but I'm not. I'm not surprised by his response. In fact, it's something that I mean that I anticipated. By no means, when Barack Obama got elected, did I think that somehow that he was going to be our savior. You know, right. I I was I was I was kind of um, struck by the the symbolic you know nature of his of his getting there. I mean, I do think that we have to recognize that there, you know, that he was elected. President and and to be elected president um, means that uh-huh. you have a majority of votes, you know. And the only way that can happen is is, is if there is some form of uh, some kind of change in consciousness between what happened, you know, 50 years ago and what's happening today. So it, it is, uh, as you said, Jim Crow 2.0 because we have now um, we have now made it unfashionable. To be overtly racist We can hide behind Legislation That is racist That is classist That is sexist You know And exactly. and, and that's what we're dealing with now So And, and, and because of that um, Nobody wants to Discuss race In the open Right um, it's, it makes them uncomfortable. So when we have these conversations and we we talk about white supremacy, um, people are are automatically on the defense um, because they because they're like, well, where is this racism? It's not like we're 
we're lynching people, so what's your problem? It's yeah. like, but the numbers don't lie. You know, we're at the bottom of, you know, nearly so, every, you know, socioeconomic, you know, measure, you know, and that's Absolutely. not an accident. That's not an accident. <laughs> No, it's not. It's absolutely not an accident, and uh, it, and uh, we we've we've been seeing the tables get turned. Like even before the the verdict dropped, there was that study that said, yeah, of course, Rasmussen polls aren't to be taken. Uh, you know, you got to take those with a grain of salt. But the polls that say, you know, African Americans are more racist, <laughs> black people are more racist than any other ethnic group in the country now and I was like, really? Okay. So apparently nowadays this is this is the flip side of it now as well. That that nowadays to even mention race or to discuss right. something that may be racial in nature, you are now a racist. And it's like for you to oh, bring yes. up the fact that Yeah, it, it, to, to for you to bring up the fact that Trayvon Martin may have been profiled and that led to his death. Um that now makes you racist. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at, look at, I mean, look at, look at Kim's wall today. She had someone who uh, who remarked uh, on a on a very very well written blog about um, one person's feelings um, about the um, outcome of the trial. Um, um, it's, uh, it's actually on the gradient layer Tumblr page, but um, you know, she wrote a very good article about you know her. That summed up her feelings and talked about white supremacy and and someone, um, you know, someone I I imagine is a white person, um, you know, commented that this was somehow race dating, and I was I I was I didn't understand that response that somehow talking about race and racism in a very real way is race dating, um, but where 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 were those charges when people were you know posting pictures of Trayvon? With the middle finger up, or posting pictures of Trayvon, you know, smoke, uh, you know, talking uh, with, you know, uh, blunts, you know what I mean? Which is not something that only black children do. It's in fact more more whites actually use drugs than black people, and of course more black people get locked up for them. So, you know, Trayvon, you know, whatever he was doing, his, his, you know, his is not doing anything that's any different from any other seventeen-year-old boy, as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? Right. And, exactly. Um, it's, it's, and, but none of that was race baiting. You see what I'm saying? It's just, it's it's so ridiculous. I mean, they, or, it goes or, beyond, it, it's just beyond the pale, you know? Never, never even mind exactly. that. Exactly. I mean. But I found interesting, you know, um, just about all of that, you know, race, you know, had a lot to do with it. And you'll see people making comments like, don't bring race into it. Race should not be a part of this particular situation. It should, but unfortunately it is. And, again, we didn't make these rules. This is what's been happening for years. We've been oppressed in a lot of different areas. And, again, a lot of this was built upon stereotypes. You know, he was a black male. He was wearing a hoodie. He was unfamiliar to George Zimmerman, so he must be up to no good because there were crimes being committed in the neighborhood. So, of course, the first black male he sees, he's going to, you know, 
you know, indict in his own mind, if you will, that this is the perpetrator. Um, we've all seen on some occasions in which a crime is committed by one person, you know, like, then they'll say the description is a black male. And then they're pulling over every black man that they see. Now, let's say the description was the black male with braids. They're still pulling over black men that are bald, black men with afros. Just if you're a black male, you're going to get pulled over. I remember Uh when I was younger and um, they had some of those alerts happening, you know, in Chicago because we were living in Chicago at the time. And whenever those alerts would come out, my mom would not let my brother leave the house. Absolutely. She would make him stay home that day. Yeah, and she was right, and she was right to do so, because because um, I mean I I think we all know if you're black, you know that this is this is something that happens routinely. You know, I had a friend who is um, a very tall, very skinny, you know, black man. Who was who was um, pulled into a lineup of black men who ran who 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 ran the gambit from you know very short to very very obese all black men you know yeah I mean it's just, yeah and he's in a lineup like that and I mean none of none of them resembled one one another and they were every and they were every shade you know that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, it it, it may sound funny, um, but for me, you know, I'm about I'm I'm about six feet tall, two hundred and seventy-eight pounds. So, whenever something goes down and they give the description on the news, I go inside. (laughs) It's just it's just in my it's in my it's in my nature now. Like you know, when I start seeing stuff and when they start giving a description like a robbery or a carjacking or somebody got shot and they start giving out the description and I could be nowhere near it, I just go inside because I'm like, listen, I don't even need the headache because it's actually happened to me in my lifetime. I've been, you know, I I, I mean, and and you, and the sad part is, um, and, and, and I think the thing folks don't understand and it's not just why, I, I think a lot of people who aren't people of color don't understand, you don't have to condition yourself to that. Like folks will ask, well, why does it have to be about race? Here's why it's about race. You aren't conditioned from the minute you get a growth spurt and your voice breaks that you have to watch how you walk. There's a way that when I walk out of my door or if I leave my neighborhood, if I leave the comfort of my home and family, I have to adjust the way I talk. I have to adjust the way I walk. I have to look at the way my clothes are and what music. I even have to be down to the music that I'm listening to while I'm driving. Exactly. I got to pay attention to all of those things because, you know, I'm 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 in I'm in I'm in enemy territory. Somebody's going to at the at the very least I will be inconvenienced and insulted, or <laughs> you know, in in between, I might get detained, or worse, I may be brutalized or jailed, or the ultimate worst case scenario, I might lose my life. And I I can't I mean, say that in the last thirty or forty years that there's not a black man growing up in this country who hasn't had to to to, to be aware. Uh, and young white boys don't have to know how to deal with police. 
When you, well, if you're a young white boy, do you honestly think that your father has to sit you down and tell you the proper protocol of how to no. get pulled over? No, Tim Wise actually to... said that all his mother ever told him about dealing with police is just be nice to them. But I was going to say that, you know, I have an uncle. I have an uncle who, you know, if he's going to be, if he knows he's about to be pulled over, he he call he hits um he hits the last number that he called or his wife on his cell phone. So even if he doesn't get his wife on the phone, if something happens, it's going to be recorded on her voicemail. Yeah. Because right. you yeah. know you never know what can happen. You know I yeah. am a black female, and although this is not a you know a situation that happens to me often, I have been pulled over for absolutely no reason. And and I didn't even get a ticket. I didn't even get a ticket this one time. I was just I was ill, and I was sick. And I might have been going a little faster than the speed limit, not significantly faster, maybe five miles or so. But I was trying to get to the store so I could get my medication that I had that I had my doctor call in. And um, I I was really ill. And so like when I got pulled over at first. You know, I guess the the officer had made some instruction to, you know, make another another turn because of where we were positioned. I guess he didn't want, you know, traffic to be slowed down. So I I didn't hear him at first, mostly because I had a splitting headache. So when he uh-huh. me, so when he finally walks up to my window, he has this he has this attitude and he's got his hand on his on the gun the entire time. He's asking me questions like, "Can you search my car?" I said, "Most certain, no, you most certainly cannot search my car." And he's like, "Well, where are you headed?" I'm headed to the CVS right there. You know, right. and um, you know he's asking me all of these questions, and I'm like, "Sir, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs." You know what I mean? I what I really what I really want to do is this night quill and go home and lay down. And they eventually had to let me go, but I had never had an experience like that. I had two officers, both with their hands on their guns, their enti- the entire time approaching me like I was dangerous. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think many of us have had some experience, you know, similar to that. I remember, um, you know, we were in the on the anyway. It doesn't matter where I was, but. We were driving, and we were pulled over by the police, and actually these were plainclothes cops in an unmarked vehicle. So naturally, we didn't want to pull over initially. We waited until we got into a well-lit residential area, right? And they got out of their car and told us to get out of ours, and it was me and another female. And basically... They wanted to search the car, and I was like, no, and I locked the doors, you know, with the remote. And they wanted to, you know, search our person. And I'm like, you're men. We're females. You're not supposed to touch us. And I had my cell phone in my hand. And, you know, they knew it was a cell phone and because the light was on, because, you know, before they, you know, um, really approached us and got to us, um, I had started dialing, and once, you know, they started that, I pushed send on my cell phone, and he was like, who are you calling? And I said, my sister, she's an attorney. I think she needs to talk to you. And he said, well, there is no need for all of that. And I said, yeah, there is. 
he was like, well, there's no need to get attorneys involved. And I'm like, what are we being stopped for? And they said, have a nice day. And I wow. think it's unfortunate. I and this is what it is, and, and I think that's what folks don't realize. And when when you're hearing, you know, if you're on Facebook or if you've been on any form of social media, you're hearing a lot of the backlash to the reaction to the verdict. Like, what are you guys there all up in a bunch for? And it's not about race and you're making a mountain out of a molehill. And, you, and the thing is, and what what we're trying to get folks to understand is that this is not an experience that everyone in this country can relate to. Not everyone, and you can't tell, you're not going to understand because you don't know what it's like to be when you walk into a store and people start following you or you're right. in an elevator and someone starts clutching your purse. You know what it's like? It's, it's, it's or to be in a store thing. or to be in a store and ask for help. And and yeah. have someone you know look at you or or say oh I'll get to you in a minute and never come because they assume exactly. that you don't have money enough to spend in that store because that's to be, happened or, to me or before. To be, or to be denied service or to be given right. self our service. I mean, folks don't really understand. There's nothing more offensive to me as a person that my wife is college educated. Um, I've worked every day of my life since I was probably 17, 16, 17 years old. Um, I pay bills. I'm a taxpayer. You know, I, I do all of these things. And then to have someone, be it in cases of law enforcement, but society as a whole, to treat me as if I'm somehow inferior and I, and I automatically Well, you know, you know, the other thing we should also keep in mind, guys, is like while while we do we do say we do kind of associate this idea of being taxpayers and you know good citizens with you know with you know uh, sort of a it's sort of a resume that says that I'm a good American and I should be treated a particular way, regardless of whether yeah. or not you're a quote unquote good American. You know what I mean? <laughs> regardless of whether or not you paid your taxes, whether or not you paid your taxes has no no bearing on whether or not somebody should treat you as oh, a human no. being. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. You're absolutely and, right. And we yeah. have to remember we have to remember that it's not about it's not about what's on what you know, what's on some kind of resume or what's what what is in our background, but it's about Definitely. we just Definitely. need to be treated as human beings. Because even if Trayvon even if Trayvon Martin had been a thug, he still mm-hmm. does, he still deserves to be able to walk a sidewalk exactly. without being harassed or followed. Or stop. Right. And and that's that's why Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And that's the reason why, you know, I want to do a show talking about, you know, pain and fear. Because for some odd reason not odd reason, I take that back. They know exactly what they're doing. With some of these racist people out here, they have dehumanized us to the point that they feel as though we do not have feelings, that we fear nothing, but we are to be feared, and that even if we do have, you know, feelings, they are to be disregarded because they're disingenuous in some type of way or respect, or 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 it's not to be respected because, um, you know, they try to portray us as being unstable or what have you, and 
we have to, you know, I don't know, some kind of way we have to tear down those stigmas, tear down those stereotypes. And one of the way to one of the ways to do it is to talk about it and to share that information with one another and to show that we are human because because again, you know, we're what, three fifths of a human according to some documents there and Yeah, but you know what, I don't, I don't want know. to show that I'm human, Kim. I'm done showing that I'm human. Everyone else yeah. has extended the 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 assumption of of being human and being worthy and having rights. I don't I don't want to justify. You know what I mean? My right. existence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I exist. So therefore, exactly. I deserve rights and and the and the rights and the privileges of of being a citizen in this country and and being right. a human being. You know, to be a, to be a citizen of the world. I deserve that sort of recognition. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And, you know, the way that I'm looking at all of this, again, like you said, it's a travesty. But, you know, going back to what we talked about a little earlier, um, and we won't call any names, please don't, about how even in secular community you'll have people saying that, you know, while they understand and can understand why people are upset about George Zimmerman and George Zimmerman should not have shot the young man. They basically are saying those of us who are upset about this verdict, basically we should get over it and that we're whiners. And this is in a secular community. And, again, I have not seen any major organization saying anything about this case. Now, they may have. If I missed something, you know, please bring it to my attention. No, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. You know what's so funny? What I find so funny about about some of those people that we're you know we're referring to, we're not naming, but what I find so funny about certain individuals <laughs> that we're referring to is that those same people who accuse us of whining are actual freeloaders who do absolutely exactly. nothing. Like they they like they have the ability, skills, and know how to actually do something with their lives, but they don't. <laughs> they exactly. spend their time scamming people for money and begging for for money, and they um and in their other videos they they trash people for not contri- for for saying that they don't contribute to society and they get welfare and all of these other things, but they're doing the exact same thing that they accuse these sorts of people of doing. But um you know um it's. It's it's upsetting, you know. I, I the whole secular community is is you know as I've I've gotten more in, you know in touch with it and learning more about it is very disappointing um, because there's there's somehow this idea that when we in the secular community about a, a legitimate experience, you know what I mean? And this legitimate experience is like completely colorblind and it's all about science. And it's all about, you know, uh, bashing Christianity and saying, well, not just bashing Christianity, because I personally don't have a problem bashing an idea, because an idea is not a person, but, um, you know, but also bashing people. You know what I mean? And not just, like, powerful people, but people people who are not deserving of of being, you know, attacked. Um, Yeah. 
you know, and so and and but they're but they're really they're really sort of advert uh, they have an aversion to um, considering the experiences of people who are not you know white you know sort of privileged you know right. individuals I find and so it doesn't that, surprise me when I come across people who are insensitive and um and, you know insensitive at, at best and and racist and, and um, intolerant um, on the that, other that, side, you know? And that in and of itself is is, is, a, is a result of privilege. If you can right. look at someone's plight, you can look at the plight of, <laughs> of, of African Americans in, in, in America based on race and say, you're a whiner. Or if you can look at women and the struggles women have had to overcome and gain a semblance of equality or or gays that say, oh, you guys are just a bunch of whiners. You're coming. Guess what? You're more than likely a bigot, a sexist, or a racist, or a homophobe. More than likely, because if you can look at those things, if you can take into consideration what those people from those groups and those women and, and, and gays and, and blacks and immigrants or whatever have you, if you can look at their experience and just go, you're just whining. It's clear right. that you have no concept of, of of what they're dealing with, and you're part of the problem. It doesn't matter. I mean, again, being atheist jet is is a, is a description. That's it to me in my mind. It just means you do not believe in any supreme being, and that's it. It doesn't give you a superior moral high ground. It doesn't, and. Again, anybody who does that is just benefiting from some form of privilege. I didn't watch the video. I didn't listen to those people. I, I'm not going to give them the time of day. I'm not even going to give them the, the video, you, the YouTube hit. They're not worth it. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, a benefit, that's, that's, that's a benefit in and of itself of some form of, of either male or, or white privilege. You, to look at someone right. white, they, to say to yourself, ah, you're just whining. Yeah, Take a couple of laps. You need to man up or woman up or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You need to buck up because and be more like me, even though, you know, I was born on third and thought I hit a triple. You know, that's that's really what it is. And right. I, I try not to give those people credence. And there is a level, yeah. and, and it's not necessary. You know, being intellectual is not bad, I don't think. But there's a level of snobbery, I think, that comes with it, that any emotional reaction to anything, that if it, you, you can't put a science to it, you know, it must be bad. And, yes, there is a level of emotion to the Trayvon Martin, um, to, the, the, to the entire ordeal. There is a level of emotion to it. I admit it. I'm a father of a young boy. So, yes, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, but, I mean, even if you don't, if you okay, but you know this is the other thing I don't like about the secular community is the way that they talk about emotions. So like if you have some, if you admit to having some kind of, of emotional connection to Trayvon, you know, um, it, it, that's somehow a bad thing. But you know, having but it, it, you know them taking this quote unquote logical view yeah. and saying, oh well, you know, this is just the way that the system works and sometimes it just happens, you know, you have to just go with it. I don't know. I think underlying that is an emotional it is an emotional feeling that they're not acknowledging. 
you know, which is um, sort of an avoidance tactic in some case, yeah. and um, and and not just the avoidance tactic, but in some cases, I think they uh, agree with it, or they feel good about it, or they feel, um, or they feel at peace with it. Or they don't they don't have the same sort of connection with it because they're not black. They can't relate to the black experience. So just because you don't necessarily see this case and feel you know, deeply for Trayvon and feel deeply for his family does not mean that you don't have some emotional response to this. You know, none of us are just, you know, are are robots that are completely devoid of emotion. Even when we're, you know, making quote-unquote logical arguments, there's still some emotion that is tied to that, even if it's just the emotion of certainty. You know, certainty is an emotion. It It is not an objective state. State. You know, we can be, we can feel extremely certain about things that are really wrong. You know, and yeah. there's science behind this. You know what I mean? So you can, you know, you can feel certain about this idea that we're we're all Africans and race doesn't, you know, exist. Well, on on and objectively, you're correct that race doesn't exist. But the problem is, is that it it exists in a, in a sociological context that you may not yeah, want to I deal mean, with. And your avoidance doesn't make it go away. Exactly. I mean, we we can agree to the cows come home that, yes, race is a social construct. You're not going to bump into anybody that doesn't know that, yes, people created the concept of race and racism. Yes, that's true. That doesn't change a lynching any in any way, shape, or form. I'm pretty mm-hmm. certain of that. So, let's, so it's like that. You can You can be objective, but you can also have some kind of temperance and some kind of, uh, at, at the very least, respect for mm-hmm. for what for what's going on. I mean, yeah. uh, for for the proceeding, and um, it's it's weird. Again, there's a level. I I want to call it. I don't want to call it elitism because I don't think to be the elite anything is a bad thing. But it, it's a level of snobbery, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. I know. And that and that is equally detrimental. I, I think I think thinking that you're too smart is as being is as bad as being too ignorant. You know, thinking you're too you're too smart to get your hands dirty and get involved is just as bad as if you're ignorant and you're acting on every impulse. It's just as bad. Right. I mean, intellectual apathy does not it does not it does no one any favors. It serves no purpose. So if you well, got all the brain. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, um, but I, I I hope that at some point, you know, we can use some of this brain power around here to um you know, come up with some other strategies for you know, for how we can move things forward, you know, and how we can, you know, change some of these horrible things that are going on in our society. And I mean I I, I personally think that it's a great thing to protest and I, I hope that people will do it more and that people will sit in and, you know, do all of these really, you know, great sort of activist things. But I hope that there that we eventually can come up with some other means of doing it. And I know that we do the show which is a really good platform to educate people with and to kind of get them to thinking about other things. But I really I really want you know, some new sort of, you know, 21st century ideas, you know what I mean, on how we can 
you know, move things I, forward. I agree you want something it. on the ground, you want to get on the ground, and you want to actually get out in yeah. the community and start implementing some of these ideas well, not and on the on the ground necessarily, but you know, there's there's a lot of means at our disposal. You know what I mean? And and you know, Twitter and like, you know, Facebook and you know, all of these things have been really important in put, putting forward pushing forward social movement. So we should be using that. We should be using, you know, every everything that's at our disposal and we should be coming up with, you know, new ways. You know what I mean? To and, get involved. More innovative more innovative and far reaching yeah. ways in which to you know, basically engage people and encourage them to be more participatory in advancing right. life and so go ahead Carl, you were about to say something. Um uh, you guys kinda kinda hit on it already, but I really I, I wouldn't discount the effect of, of, of social media. Um, I won't say that it's what kept any rioting or looting or whatever from happening, but it did, I, I do believe that social media, what we're doing right now with the podcast, okay, it gave folks a platform that really might not have, that was not there, say, for instance, a couple decades ago. We haven't the ability to, 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 it gave people a chance to vent. I know it did for me. Um, I was able to, 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 to put my feelings out there, and, and it was kind of it was a catharsis for me. It was therapeutic. It, it was able to get it off my chest per se, and in doing so, it allowed me to clear my head and, and to start thinking about well, what's the next step? And and I mean, you just did it just now, Raina, and, and in, in the sense that in the in the time that we've been sitting here and and talking and and getting certain things on our minds out, the next thing you said a couple minutes ago was, well, what what do we do now? And I, I, I believe that um, let's not put off, um, I, not not to say us, the call now, but let's, let us not, you know, discount the ability to talk. And what's it, because I, I know in situations like this, well, time for talking is over, and I've heard that a lot. But in reality, this was a chance, this is an opportunity, thankfully, for social, through social media, through things like podcasting, that folks have had the opportunity to, 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 to clear their heads, so to speak. I think they've had a greater chance to do so, and I think we'll start seeing a lot more of the organization that um, Arena alluded to. Um, I, I don't know what's coming. I don't, but... Um, I think I have cause to feel a, a little bit optimistic. I think that in this day and age, even though the attempts are trying to pull us back, I, I do have a glim, glimmer of hope. I mean, we're, we've seen in countries way more repressed than America. Iran, Egypt, uh, uh, parts of the Middle East, Turkey, Syria, where folks taking to social media um, have, have managed to, to incite change. So I wouldn't discount it at all. Um, I think what we're doing here is important. I, I, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been acquainting myself with, with you know, with you, Kim, and, 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 and with Raina's um, blog, blog, and it's like, okay, I didn't look at it that way. I didn't think about it that way. But because it's out there and I have access to it now, I have a different way of looking at things, and, and I'm not thinking myself into a corner anymore. So I, I really... Um, 
I, I think that I think that, that this we're going to see more more activity that we have in the past. Excellent. Uh, and just, just and, and and let's just make sure that we all get in where we fit. Um, that's my intent. I don't know right. exactly what it's going to be, but I don't intend to sit on the sidelines with this either. Right, and and that's the good thing about you know having the show and having this platform in which we do utilize the different. Um, social media outlets, you know, getting the information out there. Um, It's giving a voice to people who have been otherwise marginalized and ignored in the secular community. You know, um, we have a variety of people, not only, you know, our colleagues here on BFT, but, you know, the callers that call in. We have a variety of different people from, you know, um, different walks of life, if you will, and it's wonderful to be able to give them a voice so that they can express themselves, so that they'll have a chance and the opportunity to speak with like-minded people. And even if times, you know, we disagree, that's fine, too, because you know, that's how we learn from one another. Sometimes that's how we can correct, you know, um, an error in judgment, an error in thought process or what have you. But, you know, it's extremely important and, you know, and I appreciate optimism because, again, you know, it's important that we put this forward and start moving about and, again, affecting positive, productive change. However, this is, you know, this particular issue that we're talking about tonight is social justice. And there's only a small microcosm of people in this particular community that believe that social justice should be a part of the overall message of, you know, secularism. So, again, this message is growing. There are more people who are beginning to understand and and and, and basically putting forth the idea of social justice. But in the meantime, those of us that do understand what needs to be done and what's happening around us, we have to move forward. So that's why I'm encouraging people to contact your NAACP, your Urban League. I posted a link from National Action Network with the protests that are going to be happening on the 20th of July in front of the federal court buildings in which they will be protesting against standard ground laws and other um, laws and policies. Get active. Get involved. Peaceful protests. Register to vote. And I know some people out there do not believe in voting, and, you know, this is not a debate as to whether a person should vote or not vote, whether it counts or it doesn't count. You know, I'm not, I, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I do. You know, those of you who want to register to vote, register to vote. The people who are complaining about the jury pool, well, when you register to vote, you're eligible to sit on a jury. Okay? You may or may not be chosen, but you may be called for jury duty. Um, It's just time for us to become more responsible. Um, Again, you know, another form of protest is I won't be going to Florida, and I won't be spending any money in that state. Um, Stevie Wonder just released a statement saying that he will not play in Florida until the stand-your-ground law is repealed. And, you know, as I said earlier, anyone who basically supports George Zimmerman will never get a dime of mine, ever. 
So there are different ways in which we can protest, you know, uh, that and, again, writing to your, you know, your local politicians about the stand your ground laws if you happen to have that in your state and, you know, becoming educated and sharing that information with others. I just think that it's important that we continue to do that, but most importantly, you know, give a voice to people who are otherwise voiceless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I hope that you guys will, I hope that you'll get involved, like Ken said, and, um, you know, make sure you stay up on, on the issues that are going on, you know, that affect us all. I mean, you know, tonight, I mean, I was listening to the news and they were talking about, um, you know, the the, the Pentagon uh, had a, a $34 million project in Afghanistan, I believe, um, a building that they didn't even use, the Marines didn't even want. And, I mean, the, the paper trail, I mean, it's crazy. It was approved by the Army. And, no, I'm sorry. It was pay, I think it was paid for by the Army and approved by the Air Force for the Marines that didn't even want it. And now they're talking about demolishing a $34 million building that was never even used. But we have children in this country that can't read cursive. We have children in this country who can't read, you know what I mean, who get through high school and cannot read. And we're spending $34 million on buildings that we don't even need that we have to demolish. Never even mind the not reading part. We have children in this country who don't even know where their next meal is coming from. Right. And even if they wanted to read, they can't they don't have the they don't have the energy or, or, or the nutrition the uh, that would support them sitting in a classroom, right. Exactly. And and yeah. what we have and, and now again, this is what, the tenth year of of a war that I don't think anyone can remember the reason why we entered into it. And I'm saying, if we already caught the individuals behind it, without even getting into the politics war, if the objectives have already been taken care of, why are we still there? Um, Again, these are things that we do Trayvon Martin justice, I think, by changing changing the narrative in our country. And we change the world and make it different from the one he grew up in. Tragically, was taken from far too early in life. Um, you know, uh, we attacked the education problem. You know, you got a problem with how Rachel Gentoss, um sounded? Well, put your time and energy into education and, and, and supporting teachers and teachers you. You got a problem with with um, with, with how he was with, with anything. Get active. Take take on the law. Take on the legal system. Take it on. Take on that yoke. Whatever you saw in that trial that stuck out to you and it stuck in your craw, you felt that you're being wrongly maligned, you're being maligned by it, take a stand. Take a stand. Pick a, pick a side. Pick the fight and get in it. You know, it doesn't all have to be the same thing. I mean, it doesn't have to all be the same thing. Get in when you fit in. So, yeah, you know, you make, you make a very salient point about, you know, we're wasting money elsewhere and... In, in very relevant ways, we could be doing more here, you know. So, okay. um, I mean, again, this is stuff that you we, we hold our politicians to the feet to the fire to, because when they're not around us, them they're not making appearances or whatever. They're in Washington D.C. voting on this nonsense. So let's hold them accountable. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, so... Exactly. So, you know, guys, like I said, you can get active, you can get involved. You know, um, I flew back into the city yesterday afternoon, didn't get home until the evening. And I don't know, I just had to rest um, because this is draining. It really is. And you feel powerless. You feel hopeless. And, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is why some people go running to the church because they get support. They get encouragement. They get motivation. You know, a variety of different reasons, you know, some hope. Or, you know, whether it's real, you know, real perceived hope or what have real or perceived. But there is some form of hope. And that's why I feel that as a secular community, we have to get better at our stance on some things. We have to learn how to reach out or if someone reaches out to us, learn how to reach back and how to be more compassionate and understanding. It's important that we get involved. And, again, like I said, you know, for those that are going to call local churches and organizations, when they pray, that doesn't mean you have to pray with them. You can just, you know, stand to the back or to the side and allow them to pray. Don't disrupt. Don't be disrespectful. And let them do what they feel they need to do. And we can walk with them as we protest, you know, what's happening, you know, in this country. Because, again, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of participation from the secular community. We want to make sure we are on the right side of history. And it's time to get out there. You know, I found a protest. They had a few in Chicago today. I went to one, I was out there, like I said, about an hour and a half, close to a couple of hours. I can only do so much sun, and then I have to come home. And, you know, guys, we have to do better. We have to do better. So I'm encouraging you guys, if you were as outraged as I was, and I know as Carl was and Raina and many other people in this community, we have to raise our voices. We have to protest with our pocketbooks. We have to protest with our vote. We have to pro. There are a number of different ways that you can protest and show your discontent, show your dissatisfaction, show your what have you. This can be done. But again, like I said, peacefully. You know, we're not advocating violence of any sort because that's not going to solve anything. You know, that's just going to create more problems. And, again, you know, we'll be able to affect change um, by, again, hitting them in the pocketbook. And sometimes that's through a vote because some of these people, you know, they profit in a number of different ways, and that's why we bring you these stories. That's why I post certain stories. You know, I just want you to pay attention to what's happening around you. Pay attention to what's happening in your life. We should not have to live in fear. We should not have to worry about vigilantes, you know, running behind us 
and shooting us for no reason and, you know, exerting their own brand of law. You know, like you said earlier, this is not the wild, wild west, even though they're trying to take us back to a certain era, if you will. We are not wild game to be hunted, period. So on that note, I think we're going to wind it down. And I'm going to give Carl and Raina a couple of minutes to give closing statements if they would like. No, I mean, I don't really have any closing statements. Um, I hope that you guys will check out um, Sakiva's blog, um, Gradient Lair. Um, you know, Sakiva blogs at Black Sun Lens and, um, and also at Black Skeptics at, you know, Free Thought Blogs. You can check out my blog. I link to a lot of, you know, to a lot of uh, different blogs and writings, and I'll be posting, um, you know, some information on the blog as well as on Kim's page. So um, I hope that you guys will stay tuned with us. You know, um, we had a good conversation on Saturday about, you know, what is ratchet, you know, talking about, um, you know, sort of how terms like ratchet, which is a racialized and genderized, uh, genderized term, you know, is used against black women and how it dehumanizes them and how words like that um, that are dehumanizing, um, you know, how what effects they have, and um, particularly um, when it comes to violence and, and uh, looking at people's value. So um, hopefully you guys will check that out. And um, I think that's it for me. Um, if, if I was to say anything, um, again, uh all credit and everything is due to um, Black Rethinkers Radio. I mean, just keep listening and uh, all the wonderful people who are doing so many great things you know, uh, on this show and on and all the shows involved with BFP. Please keep listening. That's the first thing. And the second thing I would say is um, I don't care what you do as long as you do something. Um, right. Don't just be mad. Don't, don't stay at home and be mad. That, that serves no purpose. And we all have a role to play in. Um, I think it's, it's not just the future of, of our culture in particular, African American culture. It's not just the future. It's, 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 it's the future of, of, I believe, our society. Um, we're halting progress if we don't take action. Um, I don't care what you do. I mean, go volunteer at the phone bank, go write a letter, write an angry letter to your politician. It doesn't matter. Just don't. Impotent rage does nothing. So for God's sake, please, or, or Zeus's sake, or whatever you pray to, um, get out there. Do something. Get get involved. Register. If you're not registered to vote, please register to vote. Be aware of your local politician. Be aware of your local representatives. And find out what you can do to, to, to be as involved as you possibly can. Um, I'm not content with sitting on the sidelines, and neither should you. Um, I, I went today to figure out where I come into play, and when it, when my chance comes, I'm going to be doing something. Um, and I, I, I just urge everyone to do the same. Get, get knowledgeable. Learn learn how the law affects you. Learn the law and learn. You don't have to go to take the bar exam, but you need to be aware of how the legal system affects you. And, and, and know, where you, know, know your rights. Know what, what anyone anywhere what the police or 
in George Zimmerman's case, a, a neighborhood watchman can or can't say to you. You know, just become aware and and do something. Don't don't just sit down and let let you know let this happen. Um, that's the most important thing I could say. Excellent. And it's interesting that you brought up neighborhood watch. What I found interesting about this whole scenario is that particular neighborhood watch was not registered. Of course, that was not admissible into court, and not too many people are talking about that. want you guys to go and look that up as well. So there you go. But, again, I want to thank and, and all of my colleagues. Also, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to say one, one last thing. I apologize, Kim. Um, mm-hmm. let's, also, let's think about maybe something, you know, thinking outside the box a little bit you know, when it comes to neighborhood safety and neighborhood protection. A lot of a lot of us have gotten away from this idea of actually knowing our neighbors and actually having relationships with our neighbors and depending on things like the neighborhood watch and police. Perhaps we need to think about a different model, a model that doesn't involve, you know, sort of, uh, you know, people acting as though they are another branch of law enforcement. You know what I mean? Perhaps we exactly. need to, you know, to just maybe better look out for one another. And instead of, you know, uh, sort of acting um, like, you know, your uh, your surveillance or security, maybe acting like um, a friendly a friendly neighbor. And you know, when you encounter someone saying, you know, um, instead of saying, "What are you doing here?" and saying, "You know, is there some way I can help you?" You know, is there something I can do for you? You know. And maybe approaching things that way. Yes, a better way to react to a particular situation. And, you know, for those of you out there that are listening, please understand that the protests that are happening are not just happening in the United States. There is a 4 o'clock protest scheduled at the U.S. Embassy in London and, you know, other places. And as soon as I get that information, I'll post it. But... You know, you people are protesting, you know, all over to this injustice, this miscarriage of justice. So know that you're not alone. I know I tell you guys that all the time, but I want you to know that and understand and believe it. You're definitely not alone. And, again, it's time for us to reach out. We're going to have to reach out, some of us, those that are comfortable, reach out to the religious community because I see them out there protesting. I see them making statements. I see them trying to educate people and get the information out there. I have not seen this in our community. It's unfortunate, and I'm very upset about that. But you have us. You have black skeptics groups. Um, I don't know. I just do something. Something. You know, like they said, even if you write a letter, write a letter. Write a letter to your local politician, you know, something. Write a letter to the, you know, to your local newspaper, an op-ed, you know, respond to an op-ed, something. React. And for those of you that are upset about this, your your emotions are understandable and they're justified. And do not feel bad about, you know, having an emotional reaction to this, we all did. I know I've shed a few tears about this, but not only because this young person lost his life, but the implications and the impact this is going to have on all of our lives. Do not live in fear. 
take some time out, hug your children, hug your nieces, nephews, cousins, whomever, and know that it will and it can get better, but we have to affect change. And just complaining about it, walking in a picket line, we have to do more than that. We need some action. And so, again, we've given you a few solutions. There are more out there. And stay tuned. More information to come. We have the break beat this Wednesday, M and Evil Friday, and our show Sunday. More information will be announced later. On that note, you all have a lovely evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.